All right, welcome in to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and uh, today we are jumping into Wrestle Kingdom 15. And uh, to do that, uh, we are bringing back uh, one of our favorites here on the podcast, and that is, of course, uh, 411's Ian Hamilton. And uh, Ian, great to have you back on, uh, getting ready for uh, a very exciting uh, time of year in the uh, world of New Japan Pro Wrestling as uh, we get ready for Wrestle Kingdom. Probably the busiest time of year outside of the G1s, but... Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom, it's smaller crowd, smaller scale than usual, but definitely special time of year for any fans of New Japan. Yep, it is for sure, and uh, we are going to uh, run through the card uh, for night one and night two, and uh, we will just go through, talk about uh, each of these matches, and uh, give some thoughts on how things could play out there, as you said, and a, a different Wrestle Kingdom, but uh, should still uh, present quite a quite a fun uh, and entertainment uh, value when it comes to the in-ring product. Let's start with night one. Uh, on the pre-show, uh, we will have uh, the New Japan Rambo match, uh, which will take place, uh, it will air uh, on the stream, and it will take place um on the pre-show which uh, will have 22 uh entrants in this thing in and as we said we don't know who they're going to be but uh if you just deduct uh, who else is going to be on the card elsewhere at wrestle kingdom uh there are some names you can come up with i know you've already put together some uh, in terms of who we could see uh, in this match yeah so so this um i know the new japan website isn't exactly clear in how they phrase this so the new japan rumble it's their version of royal rumble it's not going to be the way Rumbles, Battle Royals, Rambles, however you want to call it, typically work. The final four of these will be going into a match on night two to get the first KOPW 2021 uh, provisional champion. So that trophy Toriyano carried around for the second half of this year. That's kind of building up to this. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think they did a Rumble last year. I think it was the never six-man title gauntlet. Yeah. Um, but Rambles t- no, did tend to be a bit for thing for the undercards. Uh, this will be on the pre-show, just for anyone who's you know, planning to stay up late or get up early. That's going to be 7 a.m. UK time, 2 o'clock Eastern, uh, 11 p.m. Pacific on Sunday night, if you're really going to stay up late you know, for the first uh, week back at work. Uh, but yeah, talking about some names in there, I mean, if you look at the cards, I'm not expecting people who are on night two to you know, jump on this one. I'm not expecting anybody to do double duty, but there are some you know, pretty glaring emissions on these cards, like uh, Toriano obviously won the, the 2020 trophy, not on the cards at all. Um, Carl Fredericks, he's you know, apparently relocating from Los Angeles. I'd expect him to be there or thereabouts. He's no longer a young lion, so he should be on one of these shows in some form. Uh, Tom Hirishi, nowhere to be seen. He's one of the never six-man champs. Uh, Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, neither of those guys are on the card anyway. Uh, Minoru Suzuki, can't find him in these shows. Tohanawe, uh, Badluck Farley, Chase Owens, Tomiyaki Homer, Togi Makabe, a show just to name things about a dozen names I've just rattled off there. And I know in the past they have you know, gone to like the recent um, history. So may not be 22 guys just from New Japan's current roster, maybe some names. No, from not, not about no ghetto Jaro who names who no, fill in the blanks. Maybe some names for promotions no, not too distant past as well. Yep, we could see that uh, as you said. There's a lot of interesting names could be in there, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, we will. You know, there's no reason for us to bring it up on night two, but there will be that four way uh, on night two to determine the, the King of Pro Wrestling 2021. Uh, so that will be on the night two after we see uh, who uh, comes down to the final there uh, on night one. But uh, going into the main card, uh, it will kick off uh, in a big way as uh, Hiromu Takahashi will take on El Fantasmo. Uh, of course, uh, Hiromu, uh, the best of Super Juniors winner and then you've got uh, the super jacob winner in uh, phantasmo uh this should be a really i mean there, there's a reason this is going to kick things off ian because this should be quite a match between these two obviously on the line uh the we'll go and face uh ishimori uh for on night two for the iwgp junior heavyweight title uh this should be a great one because as we know we look at uh, some of these recent matches we've seen between these two uh hiromo's match with el desperado several weeks ago um you look at some of the matches that certainly you know what el, el phantasmo what he he's been able to do uh, here over the past little while. Uh, both of these two clashing for the first time here. Uh, this should be a really fun one. I mean, yeah, Fantasmo, no, he had a fairly long run in the UK with Rev Pro before he went to New Japan. Back-to-back Super J Cup winner. The one thing that I found was a bit weird, and you know, you know why you know, a lot of the New Japan uh, strong US shows were pre-taped. That promo after he won the J Cup, 
did not mention Hiromu by name, which, I mean, to be fair, you know, Hiromu, I guess, was the guy they were expecting to win, and if you believe the reports elsewhere, the rumours, you know, Phantasma was meant to have had a monster push in 2020, obviously, COVID, you know, lockdowns and all that, you know, he's been over in Canada most of the year, so that's not been on the cards. Hiromu just came back, for, you know, a year ago, would have just come back from injury, I would say Hiromu's going to be pretty high up on a lot of people's wrestle of the year lists for 2020. Just you look at his, you know, the brief run he had in New Japan Cup, you know, beating some heavyweights. Okay, lost came up short for evil in his uh, titles match, but you know, he's had a really good run when he has been in singles action this year. I'd say this to you know, kick off the show could be a bit of a, you know, a show steal to, you know, for everyone else to be chasing after. Um, I wouldn't particularly say. Maybe no, I wouldn't say maybe a five-star match on in the traditional sense, but you know you've seen El Fantasmo. He's last what year now? He's been winning his matches by you know low blow roll-ups. I'd expect Romu more than smart that, so maybe see some shenanigans or you know, playing around on that. It's gonna be a really good match. I think the problem is because the winner's facing Ishimori on night two. It kind of again this is me overthinking things. It kind of gives away the result, I feel. You know, I, I'm not expecting El Fantasmo against Taiji Shimori on the Tuesday show. Which is a shame because that might not just kinda of pull me out a little bit, but it'll be a really good match and hey, if we're you know, sitting here what half eight Monday morning seeing El Fantasmo as the winner, that's gonna raise quite a lot of eyebrows. Yeah, I agree with you and, and like you said, I mean maybe you know, maybe it's sort of the sell of, of knowing that, you know, like you said, this should be a good match. Maybe that night two match over the Ishimori could be even better. Uh, but uh, either way, I think we should get treated to uh, something special. Probably a little bit different. I was actually, earlier, I was watching the uh, Hiromu and, and Osprey match uh, from Wrestle Kingdom, of course, from, from this past year. Um, probably a little bit different than that. But uh, still, should be a good match. And uh, that will lead us into uh, the second match on the card, which will be for the IWGP Tag Team Championships, as uh, it will be... Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi taking on the Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, this is an interesting one, of course. Uh, I think, you know, Ian, you talk about the year that someone like Tai Chi has had, um, the G1 Climax, I think for him, you know, really stood out. You and I talked about that after the G1. Um, he's someone that I've said I've always enjoyed what he does. I know there have been times just given the, the shtick and sort of just being in the faction that he's in. Uh, sometimes that that certainly holds back that character a little bit in terms of uh, people can get frustrated at times, but uh, he's had quite a year, and uh, this is another one where uh, interesting tag team match, interesting pairing here uh, between these two, and uh, obviously the Gorillas of Destiny um, not unfamiliar uh, with uh, being the challengers for the tag titles. I mean, you know, Grills of Destiny won World Tag League, first time they've won it. Their record at Wrestle Kingdom hasn't been too great. You know, they tend to have been coming in as champions and lose to the league winners. Um, they've had a very short build this, this match. I mean, yeah, they had the Road to Tokyo Room Tour, only three of those shows was, you know, made tape. So really, we've only had three shows of build for this. And the Grills have pretty much been dominant in those. You know, I wouldn't say like blow away squashes. They have had the upper hand throughout all those matches. This one could be another sleeper match. And I know, okay, Zack Sabre Jr., Tai Chi, some people reckon 2020 they've not let you know, people's world on fire, especially the World Tag League run where Tai Chi just seemed to be doing nothing but choking people for large parts of the tournament. Grills of Destiny for a lot of people, you know, just the mere mention of their names make their eyes roll. You know, they've, you know, since the, you know, since the shutdown, you know, they've have you no know, pitch I'd say a bit of form I'd say you know, they've come back a little bit refreshed um, and we've seen the New Japan Strong shows they've kept some of the usual stuff but they've also you know, they've clearly been revitalised by all that time off as I mean who wouldn't be this is going to be a sneaky good match I mean it was about one a while back um, I'm trying to be gorillas against Kill Elite Squad I want to say uh, Tokyo Dome which I know probably got back to be wrong, but members of Gorilla's Kill Elite Squad match, which a lot of people were looking at you know, maybe not being you know, kind of like this, or it's going to be a heel match, not being any good, and it you know, blew people away. I'd expect this maybe not be your conventional tag title match. You know, it's, you know I'm not, you're not going to get you know, your hot tags or your you know, good guys you know, shining, what have you. I think this is going to be two bad guy teams you know, trying to you know, undercut the other most. 
And no, it's going to be entertaining. My only worry is, you know, do you have Suzuki gun stuff on one side? Do you have a bullet club on the other? If you start leaning too heavily on shenanigans there, you know, obviously Jardo ringside with Gorilla's Destiny as well. I do have maybe that could be a bit too much, you know, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of window dressing for match. But, you know, I think with this, you know, we've got, you know, we've got the tag titles on the line. Uh, I reckon this one, it's no, it's on the card for a reason. These are six match uh, cards both nights. They're not putting a match on the card just to pad it out this year. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's different when you have, like you said, the two sort of hill teams going up against each other because, uh, you know, playing off of each other, not always maybe the best formula uh, when you have two that, that sort of have, again, the, the characters and just how uh, they go about their business uh, in terms of within their own uh, group. So uh, interesting match, like you said, could be a bit of a sleeper because it is one that didn't necessarily have a ton of build heading into it. Uh, but uh, again, four good workers and uh, we'll see what happens in that one. All right, that takes us to uh, the match that we probably never expected to see, but uh, unfortunately, uh, due to uh, Juice Robinson's injury, um, there had to be a replacement and that is going to be Kenta uh, defending the IWGP uh, U.S. heavyweight uh, contract, the right to challenge for the title. Uh, he will be defending it against Satoshi Kojima, and um, that is one where, like we said, we probably never envisioned this match, uh, even you know several weeks ago, a month ago. Uh, but here we are due to uh, Juice's injury, and uh, I I find this intriguing. I mean, again, I think this is one where you probably know what the outcome is going to be, but if you sort of um, go into it uh, thinking about Kojima's history. And and what he's accomplished and sort of Kenta where he's at in his career uh, as someone who has basically said, you know, he thinks he's the best that there is. And I find this more fascinating maybe than, than it looks to be on paper, just because I've always been one that enjoys uh, kind of this situation where you have this rising young star going up against the older, um, you know, veteran and someone that has accomplished all that he has. So I think at least for that respect, I find this interesting, even if like we, we maybe think uh, that this could be one that uh, you probably know who's going to win this one. I mean, I think if you just had this match 10 years ago, you know, this would have been, been a lot better match, you know, in 2011. Yeah. Um, I do think that, uh, so if you look the, you know, the way the, you know, this match came out, so you had it uh, the World Tag League Finals, you know, Kenta, Cost, Juice, and Dave Finley, the uh, finals, you know, hit, ran and hit with a briefcase if I was to set this up, and they'd literally only just announced the match on, I believe it's the show, uh, Tuesday, last week, so not much two weeks by the time this takes place, but literally just shot the angle to challenge and you know, have a match accepted. And then Juice goes down for a broken orbital bone, I think it was. Um, Kojima you know, was literally the same day replacement. A lot of people, because I remember that morning uh, watching the, you know, just watching the Twitter timelines when the Juice injury was announced, we think, oh, it's going to be uh, John Moxley, he's going to be flying in. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Dave Meltzer's had to feel that question tons of times. Like, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe proven wrong, but I mean, John Moxley, I do not see him being on these shows. Like, and you know, we can we can touch on that in a bit, but you know, as for what match we are getting, Kojima, Kenta, you know, Kojima, I would say, out to be, and a lot of people rule the hives at this particular place, but the new Japan dads, you know, the, the older generation, the old guard. Out of, you know, your Yuji Nagata's, your Tohi Makabe's, your Tomoki, well, we'll say Homer's that group, but you know, Nagata, Kojima, you know, he is one of those, you know, probably the guy in that group who can still go on a consistent level. Right. The only problem is because of, you know, he left the company, you know, only, you know about 10 years ago. The, you know, he's on good terms, but because he left, he's maybe not seen on the same kind of pedestal as, you know, say, a, a Tanahashi, for instance, you know. He, he left went to greener pastures elsewhere and came back. And I guess that's maybe why Kojima's in the role he's in, where he's, you know, maybe a guy padding out the young line tags, for instance, or a guy who's, you know, in this case, literally a last minute filler for, you know, a, a, a tag match Cork and Hall, which now fed into this uh, right to challenge title match. Um match itself I I would expect to be absolutely solid at the absolute worst. Uh Kojima, you know, I mean, he had that entire run during World Tag League where he was picking up pin after pin after pin after pin. Okay, it was against Young Lions in tag matches, but you know, the fact that he's he got up, I think it was like 12 uh, pins in a row, tells you they still you know, they still have some degree of respect for him. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be Kojima beats Kendra in five minutes. No, I'm expecting Kojima to win. The fact that this potentially 
could be Kojima's final Tokyo Dome match, could be his final singles match at Wrestle Kingdom. He's going to be out there with something to prove, and I think Kendra as well. I mean, the poor sod's got that you know, red brief in case he's got a new one now. That's, I could say, you know, depending on how you know, vaccinations have and goes with COVID in 2021, that briefcase, I do worry, could become a bit of a millstone around his neck. But I also don't see a situation where they strip him. I don't think they, they do that. But I can't see him losing a trainer one either. Yeah, that's uh, again. There, we've talked about it for a while, but they're they're an interesting situation in terms of uh, what they do there, uh, in terms of that title. Uh, that takes us to the fourth match, which um, this is an interesting one. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Great Okan. Uh, we've talked about Great Okan, sort of the year he's had in terms of uh, just coming back onto the scene and just uh, basically, you know, now he's had matches against Okada, and now he's going to have a Wrestle Kingdom match against Tanahashi, New Japan. Sort of playing this up as uh, you know a potential changing of the guard and sort of this last stand for Tanahashi is how they have played this up in terms of you know someone who has gone through the grind that he has throughout his career, um, all these G ones, uh, just you know all these different matches he's had, and now being in a position where he's going up against someone like this. Um, again, I think that the story is interesting behind this. Um, you know, maybe not the match that we had penciled in for Tanahashi uh, at this point, uh, you know, in his career to to have this match against Great. Khan, but uh, I think it's it's interesting the way they're playing up again, just to sort of pushing it as uh, Tanahashi essentially being at a crossroads here. Well, you think so? Only a few years back, he had that match with Jay White yeah. when White came back from his excursion. The same kind of thing here. Now, you know, Khan, he's only literally been back. I think when, he's, when he has this match, he's not even been back three months. So to have high-profile singles matches against Tanahashi and Okada in basically your first ninety days back from excursion. They see something really big in him. I mean, if you've been watching you know, the World Tag League, Road 2 shows, what have you, Gwen O'Connor has got you know, cosplays and pretty much every one of those shows. And I'm not talking about you know, some guy in the back of the room in you know, a towel, you know, the question mark towel over his head. You've got guys you know, taking the time, you know, the full you know, the yellow, uh, you know, it's a Mongolian-inspired you know, outfit, going to shows dressed in that. But for someone who's literally been back from excursion for 90 days, and okay, yeah, he had that you know, couple of matches, was it the Cursed US Tour, which you know, I certainly didn't pay much attention to, you know, you know, if some people certainly did. I don't think those would have gone over well, in, well, wouldn't have been seen much in Japan either. So effectively, you've got a guy back from, you know, what's the two-year excursion in England, come back, same gimmick, okay, same name at least, same outfit, and to connect the crowd to the point where his merch seems to be selling pretty well, you got guys coming in, the fans coming up in his uh, outfits and cosplay. They've got big things planned for him. In fact, the crowd have connected to him, even as a bad guy, tells you there is some connection there. Tanahashi's 2020, well, you don't need me to tell you that his 2020 has been nothing short of disastrous, at least. Uh, from a kayfabe side. Uh, agreed. And uh, it's, yeah, it is. It kind of feels like the, one of those positions where, uh, like you said, New Japan clearly sees a lot of Great Okan. Um, and, you know, it would, to, to get a win against Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, that would certainly uh, prove that uh, without question. All right. The, uh, the semi-main event here, the fifth match uh, on the main card, night one, Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay. Um, this match pretty much doesn't need uh, much of anything from a hype standpoint when it comes to what we should get in the ring. Um, this is one that I think a lot of people are already marking down as a, a potential match of the year candidate uh, only four days into the new year. Uh, and uh, we've talked about it before, Ian. These two have certainly had interesting years for, for themselves uh, with Okada kind of being away from, from the title. Um, and you have Ospreay, you know, come back and this, you know, much different character that we're used to with him and now these two squaring off uh we've seen them square off before uh but seeing them here at wrestle kingdom in this spot um the expectations uh, are high and uh, that would certainly be an understatement i think so for me i'm a little bit disappointed in the build they've had in this match now obviously you know the g1 final of you know, the end of g1s when osprey turned on okada from the empire they had the you know, the brief build with uh, Great Okan, Okada for power struggle. And then because neither of these guys worked the World Tag League Tour, we've had a month of nothing. So really, the build for this in terms of a you know, traditional, you know, oh, we've had all these undercard tags you know, run it, or, and what have you, that has been pretty lacking to me. The build for this match 
I'm I'm excited for it in terms of what's going to be between the bells, but in terms of going in, I'm not feeling this one. Like I know we've, we've had history. I mean, is you no. Know, it was phase two nearly five years, well, or just all five years ago for Ref Pro in Reading in England. That was the match we got Osprey on New Japan's radar. No, Ricardo Osprey, no, Ricardo obviously went back to the office, no, told no, told the guys, no, take a look at Osprey, no, the rest is history. Um, to me, like I say, the fact that we had the big turn at the end of the G1, we had the introduction of Great O'Khan, then, no, lit, no, literally nothing for a month after then. <laughs> this does seem to be a, a match which, on paper, is going to be very good between the Bells, but in terms of the storyline, I'm feeling a bit cold on this one. You know, it's, it's no fault of Ricardo, no fault of Osprey, no matter what nicknames he's given himself these days, but it's just something about this one. I'm I'm not feeling this. Like, the, like I say, the matches I have very high help, hopes for. Um, I would not be surprised if Ricardo lost it, for the simple fact that you've got no, you've got oh no, Okan and Osprey back to back. I'm kind of expecting Tanahashi to win that you know, that particular match before it be one last travel. No, I've still got it kind of thing. If Tanahashi wins that one, I'm expecting Osprey to win this one. Um, but yeah, to me it just seems a bit the build the way it's been built, the whole stop start nature of it, and again their hand has kind of been forced by the fact that the World Tag League and the best super juniors to a had no not substantial undercard to it, where you maybe would have seen these kind of matches or kept simmering at least. And I do think that has kind of hurt the build a bit. I mean, okay, we've got a few, you know, we've got a few more days, but I do think at this point, you know, if they do release like any more interviews, what have you, a lot of the audience, you know, won't be tuning in for those kind of things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I say to me, it just feels like you know, the match which really has had the longest build. You know, we're talking since well, technically since. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom, not Wrestle Kingdom, since um, the G1 Climax when this you know, first started. I, I don't know what it is, but the match wave on paper had the most time to do something with. It's called me. Yeah, it's almost like they're just banking on, like we said, the match quality and, and assuming that they're going to deliver, which, again, they, they probably will. They probably will deliver quite a match. But uh, as you said, in terms of just some of the build, and really for a lot of these we talked about, um, it's just been so different because of the year that it's been. And like you said, some of these guys not being on all these shows. And um, it's just, yeah, the, the build to a lot of these have, have almost felt uh, pretty quick in some instances. But uh, we will see what happens there in that one, as, well, as I well, mentioned. Next one, just and this maybe some sort of thrown out the top. And this may be me being very harsh on New Japan, given they had three months off. To you, does this feel like a rest, like it's a Wrestle Kingdom time of year? Because I've, I've had a few people see me say that this is almost the same kind of trap as WWE's got themselves into, where yeah. you've got Hell in a Cell. Why? Because the pay-per-view is called Hell in a Cell. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got big matches, but to me, a, a lot of these matches on the cards don't really feel like they're peaking, whereas in years gone by, yeah, you can... The point finger at the, you know, the three month shutdown they had. But even then, I do think that you know, potentially having you know, the double dome is you know, kind of dragging this down. You know, having to do 12 matches, having to have you know, 12 storylines or what have you to pick yeah. at one time. To me, you know, I say it's Wrestle Kingdom, it, it'll be good. But like I say, it'll lot face does feel like, well, it's January 4th, I guess it's Wrestle Kingdom again, rather than everyone being hyped up like the were in years gone by. Yeah, and I agree with you on that. And, and even when I was putting together my notes and watching some of the stuff leading into us doing this podcast, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I remember back to what things were like going into Wrestle Kingdom last year. And of course, you know, everything at that point, and we'll we'll talk about Naito and Ibushi in a second, but it was, you know, we, we were so into that whole Naito thing. And, and still at this point, it's you're into it, but it's it's different now. And it's like, you know, is that the year? Is that just some of the circumstances that are surrounding things in terms of what the build is? And like you said, it's almost like a lot of these storylines aren't like the the finish of some of these storylines. It's almost like some of these are at the very beginning or maybe just at that quarter point or midway point or whatever. And it doesn't necessarily feel like that. Plus, you have the two nights. And I know we've, you know, people have gone back and forth on that in terms of, okay, do we want to see this continue moving forward? Do we think this is the best idea? I think in a year like this, you know, if you put some of the matches that we're going to talk about on night two, combine them with some of these top ones on night one, maybe it's a little bit different of an experience. But I do think I kind of agree with you, though. 
having the two nights. I know you want to get everyone involved, as many people involved as you can, and maybe that's why you know they're still doing the split. But at the same time, in a year like this, uh, it, it does like like it feels a little bit different. And while I I I don't. I don't underestimate the fact that they're going to deliver, and I think both of these will they'll be two good nights of really great professional wrestling. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily, from top to bottom, necessarily have that, that Wrestle Kingdom feel to it. So, yeah, we're going on to main event of night one. Um, so, again, I understand you know, people are on rise at this. So, Kodobushi won back-to-back G1s. He's the first guy to lose the G1 winner's briefcase. Yet he still gets a title match with let's see night one night one. Look, I understand why we're doing it. You know, it, it we need two Tokyo main events, but we can't do mini tournament like we did last year. I don't know how if they do double dome next year or twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two even how we'd do something like this again. Um, I mean, look, night one Ibushi, they've had you know, several singles matches before. I think the only two title matches they've had previously have been just for the Intercontinental title. And the last time they met, June 2019, uh, they damn near killed each other. Matt's not a, oh, they did some stuff that looked dangerous. No, Ibushi landed on his head several times in that match at Dominion, from what I recall. And they have been purposely kept away from each other for fear of, you know, that whole can you top this uh, deal we've got going on. I'm not one of these, you know, um, you know, safety police, whatever you want to call it. I am very much worried what Kota Bushi's going to do his mind. Yes. Come, you know, you know, uh, Monday night in, in Tokyo, because if their past matches are to go by, there's going to be a lot of head drops. And, you know, if you are worried or concerned, turn off of the main event because it is absolutely not going to be easy watching for you. No, it's not. And I was already thinking about that. Um, you know, just this, I mean, cause we, we knew we were probably getting to this point of these two, you know, squaring off and, you know, the, the big main event here and, Ooh, it is to, to think back. And, and this is one where, you know, I like to go back and watch stuff heading into wrestle kingdom and just kind of, you know, go through the history of some of these, these guys that, that are squaring off with each other. And even if it's not some of the recent stuff, but, but going back and just watching that match, like that's not something I want to do. Like, I don't want to go back and watch that, that, that match between those two, because it was like, it was just terrifying. And I'm with you. And I, I, I don't know what to expect here. You would think at least maybe there's someone in both of these guys ears saying, Hey, we we appreciate what you did there, the last one, but please let's let's not do that again because uh, man, there was uh, certainly some safety concerns with that one. I mean, this one obviously when it goes into the main event night two, which we'll touch in a moment, but um, yeah, I mean, we had Naito. His year was last year. You know, he got his moment when Kent took it away from him. I would not be surprised if Ibushi wins this one, no, because you know he won you no know, back to back G ones. You know, he lost a briefcase and okay he got he got the title shot you know charitably if you want to you know be you know a bit cruel there um i do see ibushi winning on night one i don't particularly see him leaving you no know, finishing or walking out of tokyo domes a pair of shows with the titles uh but yeah it'd be interesting to see because i just feel like you no know, ibushi you know, to some extent he is somewhat untouchable but i do worry if you keep putting him in top positions like this like last year, he, you know, he won the G1. He lost both matches he had to be done. Yeah. No, he won the G1 2020. He lost the briefcase. If he loses here, no, where does he stand for 2021 going forward? And to me, I'm not saying we're beating him like, like a drum, but you, know, you can only have a guy in so many top level positions. Like, I mean, it's the Lex Luger thing. If you want to yes. use a horrible comparison. I mean, he's not Lex Luger in any way, shape, or form. But it's the same kind of thing you had there where you know, Lex had for. Of the, the big title shots, he lost too many of them. People lost faith in him. I'm not saying you're going to get that in Japan to, to definitely that extent, but I do wonder, especially if you've got you know, the Western audience waning a little bit, I do wonder how many more times can you put a Bushi in a top spot and just have him, you know, you know be the guy leaving with his tail tucked between his legs. It's not that people stop caring, it's that they stop believing that these guys have a chance to win. And I think with him, 
you bring up a good point because at some point you can only lose so many big matches and then uh you know pe- people stop thinking that you're actually going to have a chance when you're putting those set in those situations again it doesn't feel the same you know the second time the third time the fourth time and on down the line so uh very interesting setup there and uh, we'll talk more about uh ibushi here in just a minute when we get into uh the main event of night two but let's go into night two uh which uh before we actually get into uh, the main card in there will be uh the dark matches on uh the pre-show which uh, these will not air uh, on any of the streaming services. You won't be able to see this on uh, NJPW World Fight or any other uh, places that you watch this. But we will have uh, two matches from Stardom. Uh, This is obviously something we we had a match from Stardom uh, on Wrestle Kingdom 14 this past year. And now uh, we'll have two here on the card uh, for this year. Yes, I mean, I had a quick look on Stardom World before we we hit record. It doesn't look like the match they did last year uh, made to tape. And I'm just going to pull up on the results to make sure we know what that match was. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously West, uh, Stardom owned by Bushi Road. You know, it's a parent company, same company owns New Japan. Uh, last year they had Mayu Itani, Arisa Hoshki against uh, late Hanakamura and Julia. You know, that you know, did make tape. Uh, this year they're going with uh, two tag matches and not stardom like New Japan, very big into perfections. Uh, Queens quests Azumi, Sai Kamitani, and Itami Hayashishita against Johnny Del Mondo's Natsupoi, Himeka, and Maika. And second one's a 2 on 2 tag match uh, stars Tamara Kano and Mayu Iwatani against Johnny Del Mondo's Julia and Suri. It's, no, look, I understand what you know, Bushwood are doing. They're trying to expand the stardom name, you know, get more people's eyes on the product. Uh, distribution contracts mean that you know, these aren't going to be on you know, the fight stream, like I say, it's not going to be NJPW World stream, which is a shame for you know, fans who maybe you know, don't you know, watch uh, Stardom World or aren't even aware of Stardom, but unfortunately, until new deals get signed, that's going to be the way it is. This is just for the live audience, and you know, I'm sure we'll get new you know, new eyeballs, but um, you know, it's you know, slowly, slowly you know, building up to whatever plans Bushy Road's got for uh, stardom you know, in the years ahead. Yeah, like you said, unfortunate that I think for a lot of people who would like to see that, uh, that maybe you don't get a chance to, to watch, you know, every stardom event. And, you know, there's there's a lot of people that don't you know, they just get a chance. And maybe uh, that would open up, like you mentioned, some eyeballs. But until uh, some of those new deals are in place, uh, just uh, not going to be streamed. We won't be able to see that one. But uh, should be a treat uh, for those uh, there uh, at the Dome uh, to get to watch that. But let's go into the main card uh, on night two. As we said uh, in talking about night one, there will be uh, the... Uh, the King of Pro Wrestling uh, four-way match. Uh, we don't know who will be in the match, but uh, we know that will be on the card uh, for night two. Uh, that will be the first match, and uh, that will lead into the second match on the card, which will be for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, the Tag Team Championships, uh, with uh, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru taking on uh, Taguchi and Master Wato. Uh, this is uh, an interesting one here, uh, Ian, as uh, certainly uh, you look at uh, the the characters involved here, uh, Master Wato, and uh, you have El Desperado on the other side. Uh, interesting championship match here uh, for these as well. Yes, I mean, I didn't realise until uh, I think it was one of the last call controls of the year, uh, Watto and Taguchi called themselves one and eight, which was a pretty rare stroke there if you want to you know, touch that for barge pole. But look, what Master Watto came back from excursion, they debuted him in front of literally nobody on those New Japan Cup shows, yeah. which is a brave move. Um, I mean, you just look the way he's been handled against, say, Great Khan. It's clear they've slotted both guys in completely polar opposite spots on the card. Um, Watto, we had a fairly decent run in Best of Super Juniors, even over points where I was you know, con- absolutely convinced he was going to kill either himself or somebody else in his matches. Uh, Taguchi's safe pair of hands, you know, usually has a you know, good performance in Best of Super Juniors. Didn't really have that this year, but you know, he is, you know, he's you know, definitely on the downward side of his career, I would say. Um, both Watto and Taguchi beat Desperado in Best of Super Juniors. I would have expected, you know, had Kanemaru not been injured, you know, it may have been mirrored, or at least you know, the Lord would have been shared there. Um, yeah, look, you know, I don't really think that, you know, the junior division at the, at the moment, especially with, you know, a lot of the uh, foreign talent not being named, the junior tag division right now is, it's pretty much bare, you know. It's Kanemaru and Desperado, I mean, 
they had that tag title. There was a lot of makeshift teams. Um, you know, to me, the result of this, I don't say it's pointless, but you know, if they go and watch one Takuchi, well, who do they feud with for their, you know, for their title defences? It'll be these two teams back and forth unless they can you know, pivot around. And I'll, I'll say this, I remember a few years back, there was that rumour where, you know, back when you, know, you had the Young Bucks, and you had really strong heavyweight, well, had a fairly strong junior tag division and a middling heavyweight tag division. There was speculation they were going to merge those belts. The way it is now, they may as well have done that because you know, the junior tag division very much been on the ground. You know, and again, like this, it'd be a good match. You know, we've done the build for it. Um, it's second on the card for a reason. You know, it's it'll be you know title uh, tag match, but yeah, not one I'm expecting to be you know, any particular great shakes. Well, this next one I have high expectations for, and I don't think anyone should be surprised by that, given how much I've talked about uh, both Shingo Takagi and Jeff Cobb uh, in the past. Uh, this will be for the Never Open Weight Championship, and this should be uh, about as uh, stiff and uh, of a match as it gets with these two. Uh, they are going to uh, beat uh, the hell out of each other, I think is the best way to put it. Uh, if you look at sort of the year that both of these two have had, Obviously, Shingo, um, all the great matches that he had on G1 for, for Jeff Cobb. Uh, he has now joined the Empire. Uh, he is someone that I think, you know, a lot of people have been asking, you know, for something. I don't know if it was just from an in-ring standpoint or maybe something more to kind of develop the character uh, in New Japan. And I think we're starting to see a little bit more of that now uh, with the way things have gone, you know, over the past several months with him. Uh, certainly that they're playing up the fact that uh, Jeff Cobb has kind of had Shingo's number here as of late, uh, given some of the results, uh, both in the G1 and the World Tag League. So uh, I am very excited for this one, Ian. Uh, I think that this is certainly one that could uh, be a show stiller for sure. Uh, and I am just, I'm very fascinated by these two going at it here absolutely i mean you know look, the empire's absolutely lit to find jeff Cobb. i mean like you said the first you know, few years he's been in new japan he's been on you know, ad hoc tours he's had random tag partners this is the first time he really feels like he's had any kind of i don't want to say meaning but he's had any kind of direction in this company shingo look he's you know probably you know definitely one of the best guys they've got in the roster he's never going to be in the top tier i would say just because of Know, age and you know, his background or not come or, or raised in New Japan. This one, I have things can steal the show. I mean, this, I'm expecting these cars will be the same we've done on you know, all along, you no know, free match, interval free match. So, this is your first half main event to use that term. This is going to be, I'd say, a sleeper, probably one of the better matches of the weekend or of the, the, two, the two shows. Um, yeah, I mean, they've been absolutely stiff. And look, I've I've not seen Cobb, you know, in this kind of atmosphere before. But if he's, you know, bringing it and giving as good as he gets, this one's going to knock it off the park, literally and physically. Well, this next match, um, I, I don't. I think probably if we had talked about this a year ago, year and a half ago, maybe we probably would have had different. I don't know. It just would have been a different scenario, maybe heading into it. But uh, Evil versus Sonata. And uh, we know kind of the year that Evil's had uh, in, you know, winning the, the championships and, and being in a spot where he was elevated, you know, to the highest point in the company. And then we also know that for Sonata, um, he is someone that I think a lot of people are still just sort of waiting for that next step for him. I, I mean, for, for me, and this is one that I thought that I would just really, if again, if you'd have asked me a year ago, um, you know, I said, oh, okay, a year from now, we're going to have Evil versus Sonata. And, you know, I would have been like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm just so thrilled and, and excited for this one. And I think, in a sense, I still think this is, you know, at least going to be one that, that I'm intrigued by. But it just doesn't necessarily carry that level of, of anticipation that I, I would have thought it would maybe before the year that these two have had. And I don't know if that's being completely fair, but it's just, I mean, we, we talked about some of those matches, you know, with, with evil at the top and Naito. And I think it's just, I don't know. It, to, to me, it's just interesting where both of these two are at right now. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure maybe, you know, where exactly uh, these two are going from here, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll find out. I think with evil, I mean, you know, New Japan's meant to you know, chart everything out you know, years in advance. You know, apparently, report on you know, Evil was meant to have had this title run, was was decided you know, last uh, 2019, the latest. To me, it comes across like maybe Evil was meant to have won the New Japan Cup, but got cancelled, win the title, you know, uh, you know, won the shows after that, 
and have a fairly long run, but the way they condensed everything after the restart, he won the title hard for defence against Hiromu, lost it back to Naito, and then you know, lost, the third, lost the rubber match, for one better word. So to me, the fact that they've kind of kept the same storyline and you know, the matches and the, the schedule of things, it does, I don't say it's jobbed them out, but that combined with you know, how you know, they didn't do too greatly in Tag League, it kind of does look like he's had a very quick peak and he's dropped off really, really, really badly. Um, you put this in comparison with Sonata, you know, after the his, after he left um, LIJ, he he didn't seem that fast. Like, you know, you've got a guy who you know you've won you know, multiple world tag leagues with, you know, been tag champion with multiple times, and he just didn't seem to care. And okay, yeah, for, you know, world tag league this year and the Cork and Shoals, you know, he's you no. Know, Something's happened, he's snapped, he's gone after evil. But to me, it does feel a lot like it's too little too late. You know, you've had an entire summer, an autumn, fall, winter of Sonata being in the same building as evil and just not caring. The fact that Hiromu cared more about evil leaving Elijah than Sonata did kind of says something. I know Sonata's very stoic and his whole character, but just to me, if you know, and this is anyway, so I don't care if it's New Japan, WWE, AW, wherever. But if you have something like your tag partner turning on you and you don't care, why am I meant to care six months later when you suddenly realise, oh, he did that to me? Yeah. And yeah, they've done something for it. And great. Now, I am slightly interested to see, you know, is this going to be a brawl? Is this just going to be, you know, you know Sonada doing his usual stuff and Dick Togo chokes out, chokes him out with the garage wire, evil does a dick punch roller, blah, blah, blah. It, I mean, any, no, any other tag team, especially one that's been around as, as long as them splitting up, by right should be you know, Wrestle Kingdom match on its own. The way they've got there for this, I'm not supposed to this at all. You you said it better than, than I could have, because that was kind of what I was thinking, is you always thought this was going to be the Wrestle Kingdom match, but it's the sort of the, the direction and how they got to point B from point A. Just, I don't know, it just didn't maybe feel up to what we thought it would. Um, probably, I mean, I'm I'm interested in the match, as I said, but I'm probably more interested in kind of where both of them go from here uh, because I think it will be very telling in terms of maybe what the outcome of this match is and then, you know, immediately what's the next direction for both of these two because, as we've said, they, they've certainly had a bit of an up and down year uh, for both of them uh, with the Evil uh, being the one that got a little bit further uh, to the top there and now, as you said, it sort of just dropped off and, yeah, we'll, we'll see where things go uh, for both of them. Uh, from here that will uh, lead us to uh, the fifth match on night two which will be for the IWGP junior heavyweight title Uh, we mentioned uh, Hiromu and Phantasmo on night one Uh, we both think that there'll probably be a situation where Hiromu uh, is in a position to be uh, in this match on night two against Ishimori Uh, Ian I guess uh, that we know we talked a lot about Hiromu and Phantasmo but uh, for Ishimori um, he's someone that has certainly uh, had uh, quite a quite a run I mean, I'm looking at the card now, and they're saying that this is his first defense of the junior heavyweight title, which he won you know, back with uh, some struggle in Jingu yep. last year. If that's true, that kind of tells you how little focus they've put on the juniors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can say, well, we've had you no know, best of super junior, that's replacement, but fair enough. It's like, you know, you've got a guy who's been champion for six months, and Matt Belt has you know, barely been figured into matches. Um, look, you know, Speculation was, you know, Phantasmos meant to have a big, you know, run this year. You're either going to get Bullet Club, uh, Civil War, which has been teased for. This just seems to be what, about a year or two now we've been teasing you know, internal strife in Bullet Club. The easiest way to is Roma wins the belt back, Phantasmo attacks match for match. There's your, you know, instant feud built in for, you no, know, at least you know, new beginnings or what have you. Um, but yeah, I think this one, you no. Know, Phantasmo and Ishimori be a decent match. Hiromu and Ishimori, I would say, is a better match based on what they had at Summer Struggle. Um, but yeah, to me, I think the fact that you've got you know, a guy whose first defence is against someone who's done double duty for the week, two, for two shows. Um, it'd be a good match, but again, because it's literally something being done on a day's build, you know, somewhat hard to get into. Yeah, and uh, New Japan, as uh, they noted, uh, always uh, good stats that I love. 
uh, that the uh, as we know the uh, IWGP uh, Junior Heavyweight Title has uh, been uh, changed hands every Wrestle Kingdom since 2014. So uh, that's also something certainly that does not play uh, to Ishimori's favor, like, like you said. In addition to the fact that uh, hasn't been featured a whole lot uh, to this point, but uh, will certainly be a big match there for him in that spot. And of course, that will lead us uh, to things that will wrap up. Uh, the two nights uh, with uh, Jay White challenging either Tetsuya Naito or Kota Bushi uh, for the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental titles. Uh, you mentioned that, uh, Ian, uh, all the different potential scenarios that could play out in this one, um, it is going to certainly be one to where if, if Ibushi and Naito have uh, that physically uh, grueling match on night one that unfortunately I think we're probably going to get, uh, it will be interesting to see kind of what uh, either one of those two are, are in you know in a spot here heading into night two. Um, how do you see this one playing out? I know there's been a lot of sort of speculation as to uh, you know what the potential options are, what are the scenarios that New Japan could go with here, and uh, maybe just what the expectations are uh, for this match. So I think on the you know, regardless of who the opponent is, I just have a, a sneaky feeling Jay White's leaving with the two belts. Um, you know, you had like say the Bullet Club Civil War, whatever you want to call it, retiring match when Evil won the titles earlier in the year, lost them fairly quickly. If Jay White wins, I can see that sparking again, especially if he holds the belts at any length. I do think the concern you've got here all goes back to the G1 stuff. You know, you've got people mad for whatever reason because you know the G1 winner isn't in the big Tokyo Dome main event. Well, yeah, but problem is he also had that trope of the guy had the briefcase, never lost. So one of those two had you not know, had to get. Um, I think with this, you know, Jay White isn't wrestling on the first night much the same way you're not having a card on Tanahashi on night two, which personally I think is a fairly bold move. You look at the night two card, and really in terms of you know the classic main event uh, start or the classic New Japan stars, you're not getting any of those on this show. Now, maybe Hiromu, I wouldn't really term as a classic, you no know, long time uh, New Japan main eventer. So this is one that's really being built around the two, the top two matches, half of which we don't know. So no, I don't know whether it be angles after those matches or whether or whether just not the same. Well, no, we've got a capped crowd because of the COVID uh, guidelines restrictions, so we do what we do. Jay White, to his point, to his part, uh, he has really grown into his own as I don't say a lovable rogue, but you know what I mean. Like all the no, because the crowds aren't allowed to cheer. You know, he's mocking them. Go on, chant for Bushi. Go on, Ibushi, Ibushi, no, <laughs> and mocking clap crowds, which. Yeah. I'm, you know, you're meant to hate, but just part of me just cannot help but get a kick out of him, just, you know, really wind up a crowd up like that. Um, you know, look, out for four, out for three guys are mobbed. We've had Nitro's champion, and, you know, if he lose for belts, what more What more to do? Another run for the belts? Ibushi, you know, we've already discussed, and you beat him like a drum and have him lose. Again, I you know which why I can't see him losing on night one. But I also think that, you know, if you have him come into this one, uh, hurt and lose to Jay White. Well, you've got a feud for no. I don't, I don't want to say you know Bushi you no know, has to go for G one again, but I do think you have a, you know, a longer term match in there with the two at you know, full fitness form of the word. Uh, but yeah, I I think Jay White's going to be coming out face with two champions, and maybe that is going to be one thing that sets the fuse on the you know, say that whole Bullet Club internal strife thing. Especially now, as you say, you get more and more of the of the phone starts coming back, particularly in the bullet club side of things. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the more appealing option to me is to see Ibushi versus Jay White. And, and of course, that's not to knock Naito, but as you said, I mean, he, you know, he, he had you know, his, his big shining moment. And I think now, you know, for Ibushi to be in that spot where he loses on night one, I just think that sets up. As we talked about, it's the the Lex Luger effect, uh, certainly, and there are probably other guys we could think of that have been in that same spot before. But um, I am. I would be very intrigued by that if it's uh, Bushi versus Jay White. And, and like you mentioned, uh, with the potential that uh, Jay White, who has really grown into this character, and as you said, he's almost someone that you know that, that everyone sort of loves to hate, I think. Uh, but that can also be a good thing.
something uh, if they care about you that much. And so uh, we will see what happens. Uh, those are the two cards for night one and night two of Wrestle Kingdom uh, 15. As we mentioned, uh, it should be uh, quite a bit of fun action, uh, even if uh, maybe it doesn't necessarily feel like Wrestle Kingdom to some people. Uh, but uh, this is still going to be one that I think will deliver inside uh, the squared circle. And again, I was uh, going to say uh, Kevin Kelly's in Japan. I think he's finishing up quarantine any day now. Yep. First time him, Chris Charlton, I think Rocky Romero's the third guy. They're going to have live English commentary on site for the first time since, I would say it was the Nakanishi Retirement Show last February. So they've got both both Nice Wrestle Kingdom and the New Year's Dash Show on the Wednesday morning. Uh, everyone outside Japan, obviously. That typically sets the stage for a lot of stuff in 2021. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it may not be the you know, Wrestle Kingdom we know, but considering the circumstances and the fact that, you know, like a lot of places seem to be winding down again, the fact we're getting anything resembling uh, Wrestle Kingdom, you know, it may be name only, but you know, it's a New Japan Tokyo Dome show, and those usually are special in this day and age. Yep, they are for sure, and uh, we will actually uh, plan on being back here uh, on next Wednesday, which uh, we will, uh, you and I are going to uh, do a review uh, podcast. Uh, that is the plan right now, so you can uh, be sure to subscribe uh, to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast on uh, any podcast app you use, and we will uh, have uh, our thoughts on all the action there. And uh, Ian, anything else uh, you have coming up over uh, on the website? Obviously, we've talked before, and our regular listeners know uh, you do a lot of stuff over there, watch a lot of different stuff. Uh, anything else you have coming up you want to plug? So, yeah, I mean, next coming day should be putting in a something akin to a 2020 review uh, piece. It's not going to be a blow-by-blow, blow, you know, January 1st this happened, but you know, covering a lot of big talking points on there. Um, coming days, obviously tomorrow's New Year's Eve, uh, final next to UK the year, and, and also WXW, they are doing a, they're calling this a New Year's Eve special, a couple of uh, matches being taped, uh, plus some unaired footage. Looking to have those up. Phone one by not tomorrow, then early 2021. That feels absolutely weird to say, but this year has <laughs> felt like that for a decade. And hopefully, you know, hate not to beat a dead horse too much, but hopefully, it's light at the end of the tunnel. Just got to get through the next few months, and you know, hopefully, we'll say that light is going to be getting a lot closer for a lot of us. Indeed. Uh, so check out uh, all that stuff over at 411mania.com. And uh, as we continue to mention uh, in the show notes uh, for this episode of the podcast, we will have uh, the link to the GoFundMe for Larry Zonka's family. So please continue to share that if you can. And uh, again, check everything else out over 411mania.com. You can find Ian on Twitter uh, at Ian Wrestling, and you can find me uh, on Twitter at Russell Blake. So uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Enjoy Wrestle Kingdom, and uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. We'll be right back. 